I'm here every week getting to watch you guys go through this transformation. It's an awesome transformation of what is what's happening every week. And I just want to, um, you know, praise you guys. I'm just honored to be a part on that, that train with you guys. Um, last time I preached, there was a whiteboard. And if you guys can remember anything that I preached last week or last time, um, you probably remember me drawing a circle and how perfect that circle was. I don't have a, I didn't want to, you know, risk it and, and try to do it again and it not be as perfect as it was last time. So I just ended up putting, put it in a, um, in a computer format, put a couple of uh, circles in there and let the computer do it. It's a perfect circle. Um, and so that's kind of what I want to talk to you guys today about is what's in your heart. I, I, ha- I got the idea from uh, what's in your wallet and I was trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to get that. So that's how we got that. We got the MasterCard logo up there. Somebody told us the MasterCard logo, not the Capital One logo. And so I messed up on there. But if you can imagine that's a Capital One logo, we can uh, we just go along with this idea. Um, Eric asked me to preach a couple of weeks ago, and I knew exactly what I wanted to preach on. I didn't exactly know the title and how to, and how to word it, but I knew exactly what I wanted to preach on. And maybe it's because... I've been paying attention, and it's, it's one of those things, you know, I used to have this uh, lawn mowing business, and I used to, you know, mow grass. And so whenever you're in, the, in those business and you're mowing grass, you, you, you think and you start to notice about everybody else's grass, how everybody else's grass looks and how, the, and how that works and stuff. And the same thing with a car, you know, like once you get that car, you notice how everybody else has the same car as you, whereas before you didn't. And so I knew that I was getting ready to preach here a couple of months ago. And it seems like everybody has been stealing my thunder. It seems like, so Eric preached a couple of weeks ago on the book of James, and he, you know, the, the temptation and the tongue, and how that relates to the heart. My dad preached uh, last week in prayer, and how that relates to the heart. And even on Wednesday, in my Wednesday night youth group, we were watching the video, and this guy referenced one of the, um, the passages that I'm going to use tonight. And so I know that this is a common a common understood thing. But what I want to do is kind of like what my dad did last week is ask you guys, if you could just just throw out whatever you know about this and listen to it like you're listening to it for the first time, um, I think that would be helpful. And just open your heart. So the question is, um, what's in your heart? Um, and I want to you know, start off um, by saying that um, this is something that I struggle with. This is a question that I struggle with. I'm not thinking of a particular person or a group of people here. And so it, it, with it being a question that I struggle with, I was hoping maybe somebody else might think about this too. I can hope, hopefully be a help and a blessing to somebody here to, today. Um, so let's jump right in. The first passage that I want to look at is Mark chapter 8, verses 31. And it says, And he began to teach them, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So here is Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. And he says to his disciples, what's the gossip on the street, guys? Who are people saying that I am? And the disciples say, well, people say that you're Elijah or you're, or you're a great prophet. And, um, and Jesus says, that's, that's good and all, but like, who do you say that I am? And the disciples say, well, you're the Messiah. You're the, you're the promised one. And, he's, and Jesus says, well, let's, let's, hush, let's hush on that one. Um, 
So then he gets into this thing, and, and kind of what the group that I want to focus in on is these people called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's a group of religious leaders here, elders and chief priests, that Jesus just did not get along with. And in, in his whole ministry of, of, we, of what we see here in the New Testament, Jesus doesn't get, a, get along with well with a particular group of people. And that's kind of the particular group of people that I want to focus in on today. Um, so Brandon uh, kind of set me up. He's the uh, historian. I don't want to try to bore you too much with the, with the history of everything, but I have the history. Are you guys like history? Who likes history? All right. We're going to go in and do it anyway, whether you like it or not. So we have the Assyrians in 722 B.C. Or first off, Israel was a great, uh, a great kingdom. Whenever you think back, when people back then thought, thought about Israel and they thought about David and the Davidic kingdom, they thought, man, that was an awesome kingdom. And he was powerful and they were, they were rulers and just an awesome kingdom, right? Then you look at the second half of the Old Testament, then Assyria comes in and kills a bunch of them off, and capturing them. And if that, didn't, if that didn't finish the job, the Babylonians did and came and finished the job. So the Israelites are in captivity uh, or they're killed off one. So then the Persians come on the scene and defeat the Babylonians. And they're a little bit nicer about things. They're, they say to the Israelites, um, you can do your own thing. Um, you can have your religious laws and stuff that you want. I just don't, we're not going to allow you to have a king. And so that becomes tricky. You know, it brings... It brings um, some, some tricky um, stuff to, to overcome, trying to govern our people with, with a religious law. Um, so that's where we start seeing these religious leaders. And then um, the, Alexander the Great comes along, and uh, he defeats the Persians, and he's Greek. And so from this time on, we see that everything is being Greekified, if you will. We have a lot of, uh, of uh, a Greekness going on. I don't know. Um, so then, they, and so much to the fact that they say, um, we're going to do the opposite. We don't, want, we don't want any of this Jewish custom happening. We want to, we're going to come and actually rebel and we're going to sacrifice a pig. Which if you know, you don't sacrifice a pig because that's considered unclean. You, you sacrifice a lamb, something that's, that's pure. So, you know, it's kind of like in your face. We're going to sacrifice a pig here. And so it, eventually... The Jews is like, yeah, I've, I've had enough with that. Um, so then, then we see the Maccabean Rebellion or the Maccabean Revolt, and the Jews win this, and they're finally then able to have their own laws, their own kind of government in this way. And then that's whenever we see Pharisees and Sadducees here come on the scene. So the first, um, the, the first person that we want to talk about, or the first group that we want to talk about, is the Pharisees. Pharah means separated. So the Pharisees thought, we'll separate ourselves here, and let's be our own people. Let's not be included with everybody else here on the scene. And they're all about the law and what the law is, um, oral and written law. So we have the law, which is, if you've been following along in our Bible reading, we've, have, we've, we've gotten out of the book of Leviticus and in Numbers, and there are a number of different laws, I think, I don't know the exact number, but there's like six, over 650-something laws that are mentioned in, this, um, in the Old Testament, um, back to this law which they're referring to. And then there's also oral laws, oral tradition 
that wasn't necessarily written down. And so the Pharisees are all about this laws and rules of what must, what must be and taken place. They also believed in an afterlife and resurrection, which, which is fine. That's what Christians believe. And they all, like I said, they just want to get back to the roots that made us great. So we're looking back, like I said before, David had this awesome kingdom. And so whatever David did, that's what, that's what we need to be like. We need to get back to the roots that made us great. And then one of the things, one of the biggest things was that they're supposed to be able to recognize the coming Messiah. And um, so they hated Jesus. Um, these Pharisees hated Jesus because he didn't, they didn't feel like Jesus understood the rules well enough. So then the second group we have is the Sadducees. I didn't know exactly, it's debated on where, how the word Sadducee came to be. I came up with, you know, it's because they're sad, you see? <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I didn't come up with that. Somebody else did. It's, a, it's another joke. Um, they, they, it was debated whether or not they came from a guy named Zadok, or, I thought it was a little bit easier, the Hebrew word meaning just right, or right. And so let's look at the uh, Sadducees. They have, um, and here's this word again, to Greekify the Jewish culture. So they just came out of, this, out of this Greek culture, and they're saying, well, instead of going back to our roots, let's move on with the time. Let's go forward with this. So we see that they are trying to Greekify the Jewish culture. And they're all about this temple. Um, this temple that was in Jerusalem, actually. And um, it was said that, like, if God were to come down here and, and have a home here on earth, it would be in Jerusalem, in this temple. And so, yeah, they, they were liking this, you know, the, the temple in Jerusalem. Um, and then they disbelieved in the afterlife and resurrection spirits and angels that, that just didn't exist um, to them. So, like, they believed in, like, doing good. Like, if you did something good here on earth, you will, it's kind of like karma. You would have received that goodness here on earth. And, um, and then, yeah, like I said before, they're trying to like, move on with the times, move forward with the times. And so as you can imagine, they hated Jesus too because he was just detrimental to their position. Um, Jesus is coming and he's resurrecting people from the dead. He's casting out demons. He's saying that he's going to um, destroy the temple and, and again, it's going to be raised up in three days later. And so as you can imagine, that, that just flies in the face of the Sadducees. So we know that the Pharisees and the Sadducees don't get, well, get along well together. And they, they, neither group gets along with Jesus well together. So the Sadducees and the Pharisees kind of like put things on hold for a while about their dispute to get rid of this guy, Jesus, who's coming in and just making all these claims and like just tearing, you know, tearing everything up. And so um, let's look at who these Pharisees, what they taught, and how we can apply this to our life. So let's look at the first point. We had the, the Pharisees. They taught give 10% of your, of your income or, or your tithe or whatever. We see the word tithe. It means 10%. So they're doing good. They're giving, they're, they're, they're giving to you know, needy people and, and showing that and stuff. But it's, you know, the, it's that 10%. You can measure how much is 10%. So let's look on to uh, the passage that supports that. 
Matthew 23, verses 23 through 24. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin. Like I said, you're tithing on everything. You're, you're able to, right down to the dime, right down to the nickel, you, have, you keep careful um, accountants or accounting, and you're, and you're able to tithe on that what you get in. But you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. In the Amplified Version, you've, negle- you've neglected the weightier or more important matters of the law. Justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done. He's saying, yeah, you should tithe, but do not forget or do not neglect the others, which is justice, faithfulness, and mercy. So I think um, what a Pharisee might say is they see somebody out on the street or they see a need and somebody comes up to them and asks, you know, hey, can you help out? A Pharisee would say, no, I've already given my 10%. I've already done my good deed for today. And they kind of like check that mark box or check that checkbox off their list. And Jesus is saying, you're swallowing a gnat here, meaning like you're, you're, or you're, um, you're straining out a gnat here. Yeah, you're giving out a gnat, but you consume a camel. You're consuming all of this much more when you have the means to be able to, um, to, to give or to help out. So let's look at what Jesus taught. Jesus taught, give justice, faithfulness, and mercy. So some of us in here might be like, well, James, I don't even give 10% of my tithe to, good, you know, to the church or to, um, to help or whatever. And I feel like that's still missing the point. I feel like if you can give justice, faithfulness, and mercy, Jesus is teaching that comes from the heart. And when your heart's in it and when the fullness of heart is in it, that 10% will be there. In fact, it, you know, you don't, it might even be more. Um, you know, I don't think, we're not, trying to, we're not trying to judge where that line is with, here with Jesus. All right, so let's look at the next one. Um, number three, scribes and the Pharisees taught, do good publicly. Do good publicly. So let's look at the, the passage that su- supports that. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Here we see, um, I'm going to focus on a passage, but, you know, read that whole passage there. Um, about the, the doing good publicly. Um, it all explains that as well. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. I'm going to read just a little part of it here. Be aware, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, you have rece- they have received their reward, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you may be giving in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. All right, so um, you'll see here in the, in, the, in the rest of the passage there, um, it also talks about fasting. What the, what the Pharisees would do is, um, so we, we're, we're getting ready to come up to Easter here, and there's, there's Lent, and what some people will do is they, they give up something, or they fast. It might be um, the traditional sense of giving up food, or it could be something like you're giving up electronics, or you know, whatever it is that you feel um, you, that you need to give up, and then you come in with something, and you pray, or you spend time with God. 
So what the Pharisees would do back in this time was they would, they would not eat, and then they would like let it show that they weren't eating for a while so they could feel sympathy from other people. People would come up to them and say, you know, why, what's, what's wrong? Are you feeling okay? And like, why is your, your hair all like messed up or whatever? And the Pharisees were like, you know, because like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling bad. You know, I'm, I'm tithing. I'm trying to do good. And they're trying to get the sympathy from that. Jesus says, no, don't do that. Don't let others see that. Put, up, put your hair up. Put your makeup on. Go look out and be presentable so as to not bring attention to yourself. And then the second thing was uh, uh, prayer. You'll see there as well. Jesus says, um, we got the Lord's Prayer in there. Um, don't pray, like we talked about last week, you, we have a place um, here, um, and it says go to that, and pray in secret. I think that's the best, uh, best thing that we can do. So we see the Pharisees taught do good publicly, and then we see Jesus says don't do good publicly, but do it in secret. One of the most beautiful things that I think we do as a church, or that you guys do as a church, as we support this angel tree thing, as an example of doing good in secret, what we do is here in December, um, during Christmas, we have these angel trees up, and they have names of kids, and you could come up and you can pick a name off the kid, or pick a name off the tree, and you can, um, you can give gifts to that person. And so one of the coolest things about that is that the kid doesn't know who you are, and you don't know who the kid is, yet you're still doing something good. So I think that's really awesome in secret. All right, fifth thing. Pharisees taught rules. Rules, rules, rules. Um, and I'm not saying that Jesus does, does, is, is saying, you know, with the rules, you know. But we have, in, in fact, we have this, the story of the adulterous woman. One of, what, one of the stories in the Bible is the, the Pharisees come over to Jesus and they say, um, with this adulterous woman that they caught in the act, say, Jesus, we have this adulterous woman. What do we do with her? Are we, should we condemn her? And Jesus says to the Pharisees, no. Or he says, um, he, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And that kind of stops the Pharisees in their tracks for a second. And then finally they, just, you know, they walk away because they can't say that they're without sin. And so Jesus looks at the woman and says, where are your condemners? And the woman says, they're not here, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus doesn't say, you know, what what you are doing is okay. He doesn't doesn't neglect the rules. He's just not, he's not, Jesus said he's not here to condemn the world, but to save it. So we'll look here in uh, Galatians chapter 5. Here's, Paul actually writing. He gets, he gets this from Jesus. And this is what we see from Paul say in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. And I like this because it simplifies things. Like I said before, we, we came from like all these 650 plus rules that we see in the Old Testament, and we got it down to where we can summarize it here in just this word, or this phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Paul gets this from Jesus, 
Jesus, when speaking with his disciples, the disciples ask him, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, um, it's first of all, it's love your Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. This simplifies the law a lot. But it doesn't, um, it doesn't allow us to measure where we're at in, good, in like goodness on that, on that scale. Are we doing good? Are we doing bad? Um, so Jesus taught freedom. We're free to live, free to run. We're no longer bound by the chains of sin and of the flesh. So like I said, we don't, that, that begs the question, is like where, how well are we doing? Where are we with that? And I don't think that Jesus wants that for us. He wants us to put all in. That's, he's trying to teach us how to, how to be of matters of where we are with our heart and our heart-wise. Um, the Bible reading that we've been going over, sometimes I feel like what I do is I get to check my mark for the day because, you know, I, I've started this Bible reading and, and I've agreed to do this throughout the year, but sometimes I feel like it's a, I got to do it because I've started it. And I don't think that that's the, a, a good reason to do it. I have another example is I think I've only, that I can remember, I've only missed a number of Sundays on one single hand. And people ask you, like, you know, why, why haven't you missed Sundays? Why don't you miss this Sunday? Or why don't you miss that Sunday? It's because I haven't missed a Sunday. I like, I like to be able to say that I keep um, Sundays or going to church down on one single hand. But I don't think that's good either. It's, we're, we're keeping it, um, at making it a, ch- a checklist. But I think checklists can be good. And here's, here's one of the reasons, here's one of the ways that checklists can be good. What I do with my, with my youth group every week um, on Wednesdays, we talk and I, they, I bring them in and I ask them, what's some stuff that we're doing outwardly, upwardly, and within? So I have those um, love upward, love inward, and love outward. Um, and, I ask, and I ask my teens, um, what, what's something that we're doing this week? So loving upward is that relationship between God. But first, we want to make sure that our relationship between God and, I, and us is solid. And then we have the, the love inwardly. So that's what we're doing here today. We're coming on meeting on Sundays, and we're communing together as believers. Or we'll do that throughout the week, whether that be in the, in the community groups that we have, um, or whether it be in the ministries that you have. Um, but we also want to focus on loving outwardly. Um, reaching the, communi- uh, the community beyond, beyond these four walls, beyond who we are here as a people. Um, one of the things that my mom used to teach us as a kid was um, do what I told you to do, do when I told you to do it, and do it with a happy face. So <laughs> the happy face didn't always, didn't always come, come along with it because like, sometimes you just don't want to do what your mom tells you to do. That's just what kids do, right? Um, so the, the happy face didn't come along, um, but what she was trying to do is teach us, and yes, yeah, sometimes they're just check marks, you know, that we're trying to do, but she's trying to teach principles. That way, whenever, hopefully, when we're old, I feel like I have, a, I feel like it's a heart matter. I want to do what my mom tells me to do, because I'm trying to honor her as my mother, and that's more of a heart thing. 
So my question to you guys would be, what are we doing to love outwards? What are we doing to love outwards? Jesus didn't get along well with the seemingly do-good people. Jesus didn't get along with the people who seemingly did good. He got along with tax collectors, drunkards, sinners. And so um, I have this bold statement that I want to make here. And so we can, you know, check ourselves. If you don't have the same effect on people that Jesus did, I think that we're sending the wrong message. So like what, you, like what I'm doing and what I can challenge you guys to do is ask yourself, am I giving, am I giving when I do, when I do give, am I giving with fairness, compassion, and commitment? These are some things that you can do to check your heart. Am I giving with fairness, compassion, and commitment rather than just checking a mark I gave into the offering plate this week? Am I doing good in secret, or am I doing it for the praise of other people? Am I furthering the kingdom of God with the freedom that I have? I think that's probably, you know, if I had to underline and kind of like sum up a, a good question to ask for, for this sermon, it would be this question, am I furthering the kingdom of God with the freedom that I have? And then my last question is, what's in your heart? I hope that this can be a help and a blessing to some of you guys. Like it was, to me, this is something that I, um, my questions that I ask myself. So um, I would, it was just to put that out there. Hopefully maybe it can challenge you guys to think in the same way. But I'll go ahead and pray for us and we can be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for who you are. I pray that um, we are challenged to think with our hearts and um, not just here to check off a list, um, and that the, if it is a list, Lord, that we're doing it to teach others to create principles. Lord, I pray that um, we keep our sole focus on everything that we do on you, no matter if it's in a ministry or if it's in the workplace, Lord. I hope that it's whatever we do is our focus, and, and we're, we keep our focus on you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.